the great format debate print versus ebook versus audiobook which is superior among us bibliophiles there is a great debate that hasn't yet been settled perhaps it can never be settled and that is which is the best way to read books print books ebooks or audiobooks we all have our own opinions and preferences and some unsavory folks even like to put people down for their reading choices, claiming that you're not, air quotes, really reading if you listen to a book or that ebooks are invalid because it's technology or that a real book isn't real or they're old fashioned and not practical, bleh, anything like that. But this episode isn't going to be like that. I'm someone who enjoys all three of these formats and they all have their merits and their downfalls. So today I wanted to talk about why all bibliophiles should keep an open mind to their reading formats. Welcome to the Well-Read Podcast. My name is Sarah Ray, author and self-proclaimed serial reader, and I am here to enable your reading addiction for the love of books. Use the links in the show notes to find this episode's featured book at your preferred retailer. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's start with physical books printed physical books, the classic book, the way most of us grew up reading and the one that has surely stood the test of time because it already has and will continue to do so. <laughs> Are you the kind of reader that hoards your books once you've read them or do you not collect physical books at all? Do you have a physical book collection? I would love to know because physical books can get expensive and they take up a lot of space. And if you're a serial reader like myself, you simply don't have the space or the budget to read to your heart's content if you stick only to physical books. I would not be able to pay the mortgage if I bought all every single book that I read. I just wouldn't. I would that was where all my money would go, which maybe isn't the worst thing ever because books are pretty cool. <laughs> of course, libraries do help solve this problem. I can't speak for everyone, but library due dates always stress me out and they put pressure on me to either finish a book in a certain amount of time. So I have to like prioritize it over other things in my life and or I only partially read it before I return it because you can only renew it so many times or sometimes in at my personal library I they don't you're not allowed to renew books for whatever reason so yeah I definitely read plenty of physical books from the library if I have the ability to do so and I also have an okay sized collection of physical books at home I absolutely love going into bookstores and finding these treasures I love the feel of a physical book and I love carrying them and I love holding them and I love making notes with them in pens and highlighters. Not everyone does this, but I certainly do. Obviously, I don't do this in the library books, <laughs> at least at least not anymore. <laughs> um, however, a book has to be pretty damn special in order for me to purchase a physical copy of it. For example, my favorite magical series is called The Unicorn The Unicorn Chronicles, and it was out of publication, and I couldn't find the book's anywhere, nowhere were they available. So eventually I was able to find them online through a used bookstore and I spent a pretty penny on those physical books and I cherished them. Not only are, were they expensive, but they're really special to me because they were really hard to find. So it really does need to kind of be at that caliber in order for me to own a physical book. It needs to mean a lot to me. It needs to have been a gift. It needs to have changed my life in some way. Otherwise, I'm not going to own the physical copy of it. Other physical books I have on my shelves 
were gifts or they're taking from my mom's collection or there are books that moved my soul and I need to keep them close by. They were almost exclusively nonfiction. I have very little fiction in really any format, but especially um, physical format. Despite all the budget and the space concerns, I will admit that my dream is to have a home library with a floor to ceiling shelf, like a wall at least, <laughs> a floor to ceiling shelf stuffed to the brims with books, libraries, and either either public or private evoke such a sense of wonder and potential. And I would love to recreate that in my dream home one day. So that's kind of like my internal war <laughs> where I have a hard time buying physical books, but at the same time, I want like a beauty in the beast style library in my own house. So until then, I reserve purchasing physical books for only the very special books. I prefer a physical book over an ebook, honestly, because I don't want to spend my entire life staring at screens and reading is supposed to be a break from that. And I have to admit, though, that ebooks do have a sense of practicality. I can't ignore that. So moving on to ebooks. Yes, ebooks are significantly cheaper and I can carry my entire library plus millions of other options inside my pocket. And this is especially handy for traveling, but an ebook takes a lot of getting used to. I love turning the pages and holding a book. That experience is lost in an ebook completely. However, there are some features of ebooks and e-reading in general that I always miss in other formats. The first one being the built-in dictionary. When I'm reading an ebook and I come across an unfamiliar word, I love being able to highlight that word and see its definition right on the page. Honestly, that's probably my favorite feature of an ebook and what keeps me reading ebooks in general. I also love being able to change the text size and the color page on the device or the page color on the device. This is helpful in all kinds of situations so that especially when you're getting old like myself and you need the text size to be bigger. <laughs> So that's always a nice feature. Of the books I've already purchased and actually purchased, ebooks take second behind audiobooks. And nowadays it's so easy to bring any ebook from any author into any reading app that it's, even if it's not available in that store. And I actually really like that feature. So you can buy ebooks from people who aren't selling through Amazon or Scribd or wherever else. They're selling it through their own website so they get more money and you can still read it on your e-reader app. So I think that's really cool. Um, if you're wondering how to do that exactly, it's an app called Books to Read. Maybe I'll make another episode about that. But if you are able to open up the file on your device through that app, it will ask you what e-reader app you want to read it through. So you don't have to use an Adobe reader or an Adobe PDF reader to read your digital ebook. This is a fun little tip for you thrown in there. <laughs> and of course, ebooks are significantly cheaper most of the time than both print and audiobooks. And I can pull out the book and reference it wherever I am, whenever I am wanting to, which is kind of a double-edged sword, honestly, because if I'm referring to a book that often, I really dislike having to thumb through an ebook and use the search function. I don't have my notes written on the edge of the pages. It's so much easier to reference a physical book, and it's nearly impossible to use an audiobook as a reference. So if I'm going to be referencing a book a lot, I will eventually buy the physical copy, but I do like to have an ebook copy of books that I reference often so that wherever I am, wherever I'm working, I can pull reference from it. 
So now I'm going to talk about my preferred method of reading, which is audiobooks. For me, audiobooks are always going to be my absolute favorite way to read. Not only can I read multiple books a week through audio, but the story truly comes alive through the efforts of a talented voice actor. It's just unmatched. It's just another element of storytelling that I just adore. If you listen to this podcast, you'll hear me talk about how a voice actor can make or break a story, and often my reviews um, include the quality of the voice narrator. A good actor has a different voice for each character and plenty of inflection that reflects the scene being read, or at the very least reflects how the the, um, character would think that thought in their head. But I'm always on the lookout for top high quality audio. That's usually not a problem. It's always at this point in in time, it's usually the audio is pretty good quality. I know not every book comes in audio format, which is fine because it won't prevent me from reading it, but I am always disappointed because I know it will take me longer to read it and I'll be missing that extra entertainment entertaining element because I can't come up with character voices in my head as much as I like to think so. <laughs> I also love when the narrator of a nonfiction audiobook is the author that wrote it. It makes me feel closer to them, like I'm getting the full intention of the words that they spoke with or that they've written with their spoken voice. I, I just think it's amazing when a author narrates their own audiobook in the nonfiction realm. There are plenty of other authors that narrate their own fiction as, as well. Neil Gaiman is one of them. And that's fine. He can do all the voices and he does all the things that I like. So I don't really care about that. But I especially love when a, a nonfiction book has the voice of the author in my ear. Unfortunately, audiobooks are the most expensive option. It's not uncommon to see an audiobook for between 10 and 30 I've seen audiobooks go for $40, depending on the length. And also from an author perspective, they are extremely expensive to produce, like four figures at least you can expect to spend on an audiobook narrator that's worth their price. Luckily, there are services like Scribd and Chirp and Hoopla and Libby that allow for cheap and free audiobooks. So there are ways to get it. Um, And if you haven't heard me gush about Scribd yet, please go do so in the second podcast episode. (laughs) It is the best way to read books, in my opinion. Do you remember when audiobooks used to come on cassette tapes? (laughs) There would be verbal cues to turn the tape over or put in the next one. We've certainly come a long way since then, but it's definitely nostalgic to think about it. And occasionally I'll come across a book on Scribd or Chirp or Hoopla or wherever where it stops periodically and it goes this is the end of this tape please insert the next tape and I just think it's really charming I'm always reluctant to buy an audiobook unless I know I can swipe a good deal on chirp which is a service that runs audiobook promos for as little as one dollar um like 90 percent off chirp is amazing and I've never paid more than 15 dollars for an audiobook but I'm still always like oh that's that's always my last resort that was only because that was my my favorite series called Manners and Monsters, not available anywhere else. I could not find those books anywhere else. So at that point, I was more than happy to support the author because I had read all the other books, so it was fine. But if it's like a one-off book, I will probably just not end up listening to the audiobook. I'll more than likely read it from the library at that point. So this kind of brings me to my next point, which is the hierarchy for me personally. When I decide I want to read a particular book, the place, the first place I look is Scribd's audiobook section. If it's there, I do a happy dance and I probably will start listening to it immediately. If it's not, then I check the library audiobook apps 
called Libby and Hoopla. And I am a member of multiple libraries. So usually I can at least find it there at some point. If they are there, I can place a hold. I will. It doesn't really matter how long the hold is. If the book is worth waiting for regardless. So if it's 20 weeks out, that's fine. I'll just put a hold on it. I'll just wait for my turn. If they aren't there, then I check to see if it's on Chirp. And if it is on Chirp, I will add it to my list so Chirp will notify me when and if it goes on sale. So, And then if it does go on sale, then I'll purchase it for super cheap. At that point, I'll probably check out a physical or an ebook copy of it from the library, especially if it's not on Chirp, uh, because it's, the Chirp promos are all about what when the author decides to run them. Like Chirp isn't the one doing that. It's the author purchasing that ad space. So they may or may not ever go on sale. So usually once I'm at this point, I will just go and check out either the ebook or the physical book from the library. My absolute last resort is purchasing through Audible. But sometimes you can get it cheap if you bundle the ebook and the audiobook together through Amazon. But I'd sooner read the physical copy than purchase the book honestly. That's just my opinion. So I would love to hear how you prefer to read. So tag me on Twitter at wellread underscore blog and tell me your preferred method of reading your books. There is no right or wrong way to read. Regardless of your chosen format, you're either learning or you're being entertained. You're still expanding your horizons, increasing your vocabulary, and getting lost in whole new worlds of imagination, or you're learning a new skill, or you're reading something profound that's from an expert in some field. That's what reading is truly all about at the end of the day, regardless of the format that you choose. So at me on Twitter, at wellread underscore blog, tell me what you think about all these different formats. One in every two bibliophiles suffer from abiblophobia, the fear of running out of reading material. <gasps> Keep yourself safe and subscribe to this podcast so you never have to worry about running out of book recommendations ever again. Phew, that was a close one.